Ah, welcome everybody to today's episode of the Dadava Show. I'm your host, Jacob Valier. We have a packed show for you today, breaking down week three of the National Football League season. Uh, tomorrow or later on in the week, we'll get to the NBA Finals. Miami Heat versus LA Lakers. LeBron versus Jimmy Butler. It will be great, but the NFL dominates. The MLB postseason is coming up. And we are this much closer to crowning a Stanley Cup champion. All sorts of sports going on uh, as baseball goes into the postseason. Hockey will be over soon. Basketball will be over soon. And football is just getting started. So I want to start with this. Week three was crazy. Okay, there was a lot of different storylines. There was a lot of big games coming into week three. But I think the game everybody was sort of excited to see was the Seahawks and Cowboys. And um, because why? Because it's offense. We love to watch offense. Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott are offense. And Dak Prescott is, you know, killing. He's, th he's thrown for at least 400 yards in back-to-back -back weeks. The first time he's done that in his career. Uh, but he's lucky to have won at least one of those games. We'll get into that. First of all, I wanted to start with this about Russell Wilson. I, you know, they've been talking about it. Three weeks in, Russell Wilson's 3-0, 14 touchdown passes, one pick. Nobody's thrown more touchdowns through the first three games of the year than Russell Wilson has this season. It just further, you know, documents his greatness. Um, he's the best quarterback on the planet. And right now, I don't even think anyone's really close. Not even Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, or even Patrick Mahomes are even close to playing at the level that Russell Wilson's playing at. In his lone interception, the pick six by uh, the Patriots last week, McCourty, that was not his fault. Greg Olson just flat out dropped a wide open pass and it went right into the Patriots' safety's hands for pick six. Outside of that blunt, that drop by Olsen, Russell Wilson has been almost completely flawless this season through three weeks, and they've won every game. And who's he beaten? Well, he's beaten two of the biggest brands in football, Dallas and New England. Oh, and he beat up on Atlanta. Defensive coach Dan Quinn, who watched Russell Wilson in practice because Dan Quinn used to be the Seattle defensive coordinator when they were winning conference championships and winning Super Bowls. Okay, that's, that's not a layup. Even if how bad the Falcons have been, Russell Wilson against Atlanta is not a layup, considering Dan Quinn's history with him. And yet through three weeks, 14 touchdown passes. No one's playing close to as good as Russell Wilson right now. He's the MVP as of September 28, 2020. He is the MVP. And that's with a horrendous secondary. Brutal offensive line. I think they have a bottom five offensive line in the NFL. Not as bad as Cincinnati's but they're pretty bad. And they have underwhelming receivers. Oh, what are you talking about? Tyler Lockett. DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett was a third-round pick. He's in his sixth year. DK Metcalf was a second-round pick. Everyone thought he'd be a, a mid-first-rounder. Ended up being a mid-to-late second-round pick. Oh, uh, David Moore, seventh-round pick. Greg Olson is 35 years old. Will Disley played defensive lineman in college football. And Freddie Swain is a sixth-round rookie. Okay, and that's who Russell Wilson... That's what Seattle gave Russell Wilson. And he's thrown 14 touchdowns to those guys through three games. That's, you know, he just makes it work. He always has. Who was his best receiver at the beginning of his career? Doug Baldwin. Oh, excuse me. Was Doug Baldwin, I forgot, Doug Baldwin was, you know, one of the best college football prospects in the history of wide receiver. Oh, wait, no, he went undrafted. And his quarterback in college was Andrew Luck. Still went undrafted. Russell Wilson turned him into a two-time Pro Bowler and a Super Bowl champ. Oh, and in 2015, he helped Doug Baldwin lead the NFL in touchdown receptions. That's what Russell Wilson does. 
He just makes everyone better. He's like Peyton Manning. He's like Tom Brady. Russell Wilson belongs in their category. Except he doesn't have an MVP, and he was barely, barely missed out on being a back-to-back Super Bowl champ. The fact that he's never got an MVP vote in his career is embarrassing. Behind Tom Brady, Russell Wilson has the second most wins in the NFL since 2012. That's nine seasons worth. That's not just since the beginning of last year. That's the beginning of nine seasons ago. Almost a decade's worth of play from Russell Wilson. Second most wins. uh, Second or third most touchdown passes and yards. And yet, no MVP votes. He's a Super Bowl champ. He's a six-time Pro Bowler. He's not even a first-team All-Pro ever. He doesn't get the respect he deserves. And he's never had an MVP vote. Not even last year when he was the... It was a between... Remember, it was between Wilson and Lamar Jackson through the first half of last season, and then Lamar sort of pulled away because Lamar was always sort of the favorite at the beginning. Russell Wilson's the favorite right now. There's nobody... I mean, Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers are playing out of their mind, and Lamar Jackson and Mahomes will arguably make it a you know competition at the end. But Russell Wilson's the best football player in the world right now, and he's the best quarterback right now. I put him over Mahomes right now. He's he's amazing. The last two games, 10 touchdown passes against the Patriots and the Cowboys. Not everybody that gets to play those guys back-to-back puts up even four combined touchdowns. He threw 10. So my MVP vote coming into this, my pick for MVP coming into this year, you all can... Rewind the tape. It was going to be Patrick Mahomes. I'm changing it. It's Russell Wilson. He's my, I'm rethinking it. Russell Wilson is my pick to be 2020 NFL MVP at age 32. He's incredible. 14 touchdown passes. Just think. He's averaging 315 passing yards a game through the first three games, and he's thrown 14 touchdowns. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing that he's not even, like, people are even still considering that there's somebody who's playing better than Russell Wilson right now. Because there's not. Aaron Rodgers isn't. Josh Allen isn't. Jackson isn't. Rodgers isn't. I mean, uh, Mahomes isn't. Russell Wilson's the best right now. Um, So there was that. Russell Wilson was great yesterday. Threw five touchdowns. Threw for 315 yards. 27 to 40. Did his thing. He was great. Okay, and and Seattle actually had a commanding lead. Lost it, and Russ went right down the field and gave him the lead back. And they never lost it again. So, I mean, yesterday was a tough one to predict. A lot of people in the media were like, oh, you know, Dallas or Seattle. Well, here's why I picked the Seahawks to win this game and why I knew I was going to be right. Because it came down to just two things, coach and quarterback. It usually does in a shootout. With both defenses and offensive lines playing terrible football. Okay, Dallas's defense is, I don't know if you've watched them, they, they, they are terrible. They've given up nine touchdown passes through three weeks, and it, it honestly should have been more. The last two games, that they've given up nine touchdowns. I mean, they didn't even let one up in week one. The last two weeks, Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson have gone to town on them. And their offensive line's missing their best player, Tyron Smith. They haven't been playing well with undrafted left tackles. They haven't been playing good football. Both, and both defenses and O-lines for Dallas and Seattle were both awful yesterday, and it just came down to who had the better coach. But more importantly, who had the better quarterback? Obviously, I would take Pete Carroll over Mike McCarthy. But 10 days out of 10, 11 days out of 10, I'm taking Russell Wilson over Dak Prescott. Dak has been in a lot of these games. Shootouts. You know, his, his team is sort of not playing well. He has to pick them up. And it comes down to who's the better quarterback. 
And you notice Dak loses a lot of those games. Ever notice those? Last year, Dak went head-to-head with Aaron Rodgers and lost. That was a pretty even game between the teams. Same with the Minnesota Vikings. Went head-to-head with Kirk Cousins and lost. In primetime, and by the way, both of those games were at home. Went head-to-head with Josh Allen at home and lost. One on the road, went head-to-head with Tom Brady and lost. Head-to-head on the road against Carson Wentz and lost. This year, head-to-head on the road against Jared Goff and lost, and now on the road head-to-head against Russell Wilson and lost. That's Dak Prescott. He's the losing quarterback in all of those scenarios because Dak Prescott is a middle-of-the-pack quarterback with probably the best receiving core in the NFL. You know, I was watching, you know the Cowboys' offense is? They're like a beautiful mansion. This humongous house, beautiful mansion that looks completely dilapidated on the inside. But on the outside, oh my gosh, the outside looks so flashy. There's a pool in the backyard, well-cut grass, Lamborghinis in the freshly paved driveway. And oh my goodness, all the weeds are pulled and they have the best flowers in the neighborhood surrounding their stone sidewalk and walkway leading up to a beautiful front door. That, that's the Cowboys. On the outside, they have Amari Cooper, they have C.D. Lamb, they have Ezekiel Elliott, and oh my gosh, they have Mike McCarthy. He's won a Super Bowl. Jerry Jones has won Super Bowls as an owner. They've got everything. Oh my gosh, they're so flashy. They've got all these weapons, right? But then you walk inside the house. Okay, you walk inside this beautiful mansion. The toilets are all clogged and broken. The lights are always flickering. The doors creak. The beds have no sheets and they can't afford them. There's no air conditioning. None of the rooms are painted. Oh, and by the way, you open the refrigerator and it stinks. That's the Cowboys. Because I'm watching that game yesterday, and I look at who they actually are. I was watching the game, and I saw a million holes when I really watched them. A lot of people don't watch the Cowboys. Some people don't. And I'm watching the Cowboys. I saw a million holes. They can't cover anybody. They they can't rush the passer outside of Alden Smith. They can't protect Dak Prescott. And, oh, Amari Cooper is a little bit inconsistent, and they have no tight ends. And Ezekiel Elliott had had a rough day yesterday. But then I look at the stat sheet after the game, and I see, oh my gosh, Dak Prescott, 400 yards, three touchdowns. He was great. Did that a lot last year, too. The truth is, for everybody that picked the Dallas Cowboys to win the Super Bowl, you have to just look at one thing. First of all, you were wrong. They're not going to win the Super Bowl this year because they're not nearly good enough. They're not a top-five team in the NFC. Who knows if they're even the best team in the worst division in football. That, look at Dallas. Look at Dak Prescott. Averaged almost eight and a half yards an attempt yesterday. He threw the ball almost 60 times. He's averaging 396 passing yards a game. Leads the NFL. 40 t- he put up 40 points last week, 31 points this week. They have the seventh ranked offense in terms of points scored. But that's not what my eyes are showing me. When I watch the Cowboys, I don't see Dak Prescott lighting it up. I see receivers getting wide open. I see, oh my gosh, the defense can't stop anybody. Oh my gosh, I can't see. You know, I, I can't see it. People are telling me what Dak Prescott is, but when I watch him, I just don't see it. When I look at the stat sheet, I see a beautiful mansion. I see well-cut grass. I see a pool in the backyard, a trampoline, a zip line. I see, you know, you know, just a Lamborghinis in the driveway. Oh my gosh, I see everything when I look at Dak Prescott's stats. Everyone tells me, look at the stats. But then I, when, when, when I look and when I watch the games, when I watch Dak Prescott, I see that the lights are always flickering. The doors creak. No air conditioning. Okay, the, none of the rooms are painted. They're just white walls. 
and rooms that are painted, the paint is sort of chipping off. There's foundations, cracks in the wall. The refrigerator stinks. That's what happens when I watch Dak Prescott. I don't jump up and down. Okay, he makes a great, a couple of great throws. 25 guys in the NFL make at least three or four great throws a game. There's a few that don't, including my quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. But Dak Prescott, yeah, he makes a few great throws. Everyone does. This is, this is the league now. Every quarterback seems to be great. And Dak Prescott's good. I'm not saying he's bad, but he's not a Super Bowl. This isn't a Super Bowl team. They, what, what's the Cowboys' identity? Nothing. They, what, they run the ball well sometimes? Ezekiel Elliott's sort of, you know, getting worse and worse every year. He's still great, but he's not, you know. I wouldn't call Zeke the best running back in the NFL anymore. He's still pretty good, though. And Dak Prescott's, you know, he started out solid. He was game manager who sort of just threw to his open receivers. And, you know, now he's a little bit more aggressive, but it comes at the cost of winning because the last two years, Dak is 9-10 and 10 as a starter. All of a sudden, the last uh, 19 starts, he's thrown 13 picks. That used to not be Dak. He didn't used to throw picks. Now that he's more aggressive, he's making more mistakes. That's what happens. They're not good enough. The Cowboys aren't good enough. And in that division, first of all, in that division, you can be bad. You can be real bad and still somehow win this division and have it become competitive starting like week 13 or 14. You can, you can just mess around for the next two months and somehow still win the division. So the Eagles are not done yet. It's really between Dallas and Philadelphia. And Dallas, you know, they're just a half game above Philadelphia in the standings. And Philadelphia has an easier rest of season schedule than Dallas. Dallas has a brutal schedule starting in, the, in mid-October, and it just gets worse and worse. I don't see how they win eight games this year. I don't see how they, they finish above 500 this year. They have no defense. They have no uh, offensive line. Their offensive line's not playing nearly as well as we thought they were, and they have no identity. And they've got an, just a completely unimaginative head coach in Mike McCarthy. So that's my takeaway from that game. Speaking of the Eagles, I watched a little bit of that game. They tied with the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday. For, uh, look, that was, that was just a rough football game. I watched a little bit of it, and I hated every second of watching it. Here's, first of all, the good. Joe Burrow was incredibly impressive. That team is horrible. That is the, one of the worst offensive lines of my life, the Bengals' 2020 offensive line. They can't stop any. They took, he took eight sacks. No one's been sacked more in the NFL this year than Joe Burrow. 14 sacks in three games. And it's, they're not all his fault. I mean, sometimes they're right there in his face as soon as he snaps the ball. That's, that's not the quarterback's fault. Okay, that... Listen, you put a team around Joe Burrow, buckle up. This kid's good. You saw what they did at LSU when they put a team around him. He had the best college football season of all time. 60 touchdowns in one year. That team is horrible. In the last two weeks, Joe Burrow has thrown five touchdowns without an interception and has averaged, you know, over 300 yards a game in each game. How does he do that? Against Cleveland and Philadelphia, I think both of them will end up in the playoffs. Against two potential playoff teams, Joe Burrow, 300-plus yards a game, five touchdowns, no picks, with the worst offensive line in the league, with the most underwhelming receiving core in the NFL, with a running game that the coaching staff doesn't trust. And speaking of the coaching staff, they aren't very good either. Joe Burrow's legit. I've seen him play for three games, and I can already tell this kid's going to be special in the NFL, and he should have beaten the Eagles yesterday. Um, what was the bad? The bad was... 
the Philadelphia Eagles, who did not even deserve to tie the game. Now, of course, by tying, the Eagles somehow jumped to third in the NFC East behind Dallas and Washington, and now the Giants are solely in the basement of the NFC East, where I think they belong. There is nothing more excusable than playing for a tie in the NFL. It's gutless, it's weak, and frankly, it's stupid. I would I, Look, I would rather lose than have a meaningless one at the end of my record resembling a tie. I'd rather lose. It's stupid that the NFL still does ties anyways. You know, just the fact that the NFL allows ties. They even shortened the overtime period. It used to be 15 minutes, now it's only 10 minutes. Like, how does that mean? And notice ever since they did that, there are more ties in the NFL. Ties are awful. Revert to college rules or something. Start an overtime, put the offense at the 50-yard line, see if they can score. I mean, geez. It's inf- no team should be allowed to tie. No other sport allows ties. Basketball, baseball, hockey don't allow ties. Hockey used to, now they don't. And now hockey's better for it. The NFL is the only sport in the NFL besides soccer, the sport that nobody really watches, that allows ties. It's ridiculous. But when you have a chance at a Hail Mary with Carson Wentz as your quarterback, I get it, Carson Wentz has thrown the most interceptions in the NFL this season. And you punt the ball with 20 seconds left in overtime from the 50-yard line to pin the Bengals inside the 10, basically guaranteeing that this game will end in a tie... That's worthy of, I would totally get it if Doug Peterson lost the locker room at that point. Because that's gutless. Even if you don't make it, I'd rather lose. I'd rather be 0-3 than 0-2-1. Because you'll be something-something in one at the end of the year. And that's just, why would you want that? I wouldn't. I wouldn't want a tie. You don't win, you don't lose. You just What's the point of playing the game? Nothing really happened besides you both put up the same score. In 70 minutes of time, you went extra hard to not win or lose. That's my opinion on it. The Eagles are a train wreck right now for no reason. They have one of the best quarterback talents in the league right now in Carson Wentz, and I think they have one of the best coaching staffs in all football. That should be enough. And I think their front office is top five in the NFL. And they've also played two of the worst teams in the NFL, Cincinnati and Washington. Yet they are winless through three weeks. I picked them to win the NFC East, and I picked them to win yesterday. And I really had no faith that they would ever pull it out against the Bengals. They looked awful. Carson Wentz, through three games, has thrown six interceptions, and all of a sudden, he looks like one of the worst starters in the NFL. Coming into this year, I had him as a top-five starter in this league. I think he's a bottom five after three weeks. That's how quickly things change in the NFL. They're winless for no reason. I don't get it. That is just a brutal football team right now. They have no receiving core. Jalen Rieger's hurt. Deshaun Jackson's hurt. All Sean Jeffrey hasn't played yet. They've got no. They, Zach Ertz is the only guy that's really you know worth a damn in this offense. And his backup Dallas Goddard just got hurt too. And everyone in the O line's banged up. And Miles Sanders is a bit banged up. And Carson Wentz has nothing. And their defense is not stopping. They haven't stopped Dwayne Haskins. They haven't stopped Jared Goff. And they just didn't stop rookie Joe Burrow. That defense can't stop anything. In a league that has bad defenses, Philadelphia has been the most disappointing this season. They've been very disappointing. I still, 
I, why do I still like the Eagles to win the NFC East, though? I think based on quarterback and coach, I still take Wentz and Peterson over Dak and McCarthy. I don't know why. I just do. So, anyway, that was a frustrating game. Playing for a tie is awful. I hated every second of that. All right, uh, we do this every Monday. We call it the good, the bad, and the real ugly. Uh, there's plenty good, plenty bad, and plenty ugly in week three of the NFL season. We'll start with the good. We will disclude anybody from the Seahawks, Cowboys, Bengals, or Eagles because we already talked about them. Here we go, the good. I'm going to go with Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills quarterback. Again, second straight week you've done it. 24 of 33, 311 passing yards, five total touchdowns, comeback win, over the L.A. Rams, look, they're 3-0, and and the Bills look unstoppable on offense. Their defense still hasn't really figured it out, despite one of the best defensive minds in the game at head coach and Sean McDermott. He's going to win. I mean, if they, make, if they win 11-12 games this year, Sean McDermott needs to have a long, hard look at coach of the year again. Because he, I mean, they look unstoppable. Josh Allen has turned from, usually when you're a quarterback in college and you're not accurate in college, and you're not accurate your first two years in the NFL, you're just never going to be accurate. That is not the case right here. Josh Allen, who coming into this season completed around, what, 57% of his career passes? I mean, that's, that's bottom feeder stuff. He's completing 71.1% of his passes through three NFL games, and all of a sudden it's gone all the way up to 582 for his career, and he's thrown 10 touchdown passes to one interception and has already thrown for 1,000 yards in this what has been an incredible offense. Adding Stephon Diggs to any offense, I've always said it, will work, will work wonders for your franchise. That's that's really going to work. All right, uh, what else was good? Going to go with Bears quarterback Nick Foles. Came in for Trubisky. Uh, off the bench, 16 of 29, 188 yards with three touchdowns and a pick. And a 16-point comeback win over the Falcons. We'll get to Atlanta a little bit later. Uh, but Nick Foles, look, I just don't get it. He's got magic in him somewhere. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know why he is the way that he is, but he just somehow figures it out. I was wrong about Nick Foles, and it's only one week, and he didn't even start the game. Trubisky threw a horrible pick to Bleedy Ray Wilson, and it was time for Matt Nagy to pull the plug because Nick Foles does give them a better chance to win. He's more aggressive, and he's overall just a better arm talent than Mitchell Trubisky is, and this offense demands it. Anthony Miller is actually a pretty good wide receiver. He's caught two game-winning touchdowns this season. Um, look, this Bears offense is better than I thought. Matt Nagy is one of the best offensive minds in the game, and Trubisky was holding them back. And Nick Foles came in and proved just once and for all how bad Trubisky was. He was a he was accurate. He was great. He had a couple of touchdown passes actually overturned. He would have ended up having like five touchdown passes off the bench, which would have been insane. But look, he was great. He was great. And guess what? The Bears are three and zero, and they look legit on offense, and they play really good defense. Watch out for the Bears. One of the best teams in the NFC. I think they're better than Dallas. All right, what else was good? Even though they lost, I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings offense. They came to life for the first time all year. Kirk Cousins, 251 yards, three touchdown passes. Uh, Dalvin Cook had 199 total yards and scored a rushing touchdown. Justin Jefferson, the rookie out of LSU, seven catches, 175 yards, and a touchdown. He looked outstanding. They lost, but they put up 30 points. All of a sudden, people have confidence in Kirk Cousins again, including me, uh, and I think they'll be just fine. They're 0-3, Minnesota is, and I think they'll have a losing record this season, but I still think they'll end up having one of the more productive offenses in the NFL because Kirk Cousins has always been at the helm of some really productive offenses. So 
All right, what's the bad? Okay, we have a couple bad. I'm going to start with the defenses. Uh, I know I said I wouldn't talk about them, but I'm going to go with the defenses uh, for the Cowboys and Seahawks. They were bad. Dallas had 522 yards of total offense. Seattle had 412. What happened to Seattle's Legion of Boom? They're all gone now. They're playing everywhere else. Uh, and both quarterbacks yesterday, Dak and Russell Wilson, 787 combined yards, eight total touchdown passes. But look, both defenses have looked the definition of rough this season. I mean, it's it's kind of embarrassing. Russell Wilson's having to carry the load when his defense, Seattle's defense, quarterbacks against Seattle this year have thrown for 1,300 yards and six touchdowns and have averaged eight and a half yards a pass and a 96 pass rating against the Seahawks. Can you imagine if Russell Wilson got to play against them, against his own defense? That would have been pretty awesome. But Dallas, opposing quarterbacks against Dallas this year, nine touchdown passes, eight yards an attempt, and a 114 passer rating. That is Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, and Matt Ryan against Dallas this season. They're hemorrhaging points. They don't look good, and they're going to be two. For those two teams, their defenses are going to be the biggest weak point of otherwise really well-constructed teams. All right, the other bad, I'm going to go with the whole Las Vegas Raiders team. They weren't, they weren't horrible, but they were pretty bad against the Patriots. I, that was a game that I sort of could see them winning, but the Raiders couldn't contain New England's running back. Sonny Michelle and Rex Burkhead were running free against that defense, even though they haven't been running free against anybody else the first two weeks of the season. Uh, Vegas couldn't run the ball. They couldn't sustain drives. And for a team that was 2-0 coming into this game, I mean, to sort of lay an egg and get blown out, was sort of disappointing. I mean, I, I don't know if they're still rebuilding. It's been a three-year reclamation project by John Gruden, but they still need to win games like this. It was a bit of a disappointment. Okay, the ugly. I've got three ugly uh, performances yesterday. We'll start with Washington quarterback Dwayne Haskins. I mean, how bad is he? Four turnovers yesterday, three picks, and a lot of fumble resulted in 24 Cleveland points. Uh, that was the difference in the game. Those points don't happen, and Washington blows them out. Clearly, Ron Rivera has no faith in Dwayne Haskins. Uh, he has not thrown for more than he has not topped 225 passing yards in a single game this year. Quarterbacks do that in their sleep in 2020. Dwayne Haskins can't do it. They did the, for the second straight week against Arizona last week and against Cleveland this week. Ron Rivera did not call a single timeout down the stretch with the game sort of on the line. Um, you know, it, they were getting blown out, but there was still time. You know, you could have potentially put together something late, but. Ron Rivera didn't use his timeouts. He had all of them. Why does he not use those timeouts? Because his offense stinks. Because Dwayne Haskins stinks. And he doesn't want to turn to Kyle Allen because he wants to keep going with Dwayne Haskins. Give him a shot. But he's given him a shot. Through three weeks, he's been the worst starter in the NFL, and he's not getting better. He's, in fact, getting slightly worse. I think he legitimately looked like the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I'm going to go also with the Atlanta Falcons team. Wow. They've blown, they blew a 20-point lead and then a 19-point lead all in the same game last week against Dallas. They blew a 16-point lead in the fourth quarter against Chicago this week. First of all, they were up 16 points with six and a half minutes to go in that game with Nick Foles as the opposing quarterback. They benched their quarterback. They're down by 16. All right, and the Bears got life from the fact that the Falcons have arguably the worst secondary in the league despite Dan Quinn at head coach. It, it's time to fire him. Okay, it, you can't blow those leads back-to-back -back weeks. Uh, they don't blow those leads. The Falcons are a 2-1 and one football team, and all of a sudden, they're tied for first in that division with Dan Quinn and Matt Ryan, but they blew them. Their defense can't stop Dak Prescott, and now they can't stop Nick Foles. 
They can't stop anybody, and they're 0-3, and it's time to fire Quinn. I said it halfway through last year when the Falcons were 1-7. Time to yank him. And now they're 0-3, and they have two horrible losses on their schedule. It's the way you lose in this league, and the way they've lost is all-time bad. It's time to get rid of them, maybe by the bye week. All right, and finally, I'm going to go with both teams that play in New York, the Jets and the Giants. Wow. Uh, the two biggest blowouts uh, of Week 3 were at the hands of two New York teams who look just – I mean, Sam Darnold is regressing. He's in his third year, and he doesn't look any better than he was the second he stepped into the league. In fact, he might look slightly worse. Look, in his defense, he's got nothing. Adam Gase is the worst head coach in the NFL. Everybody's beat up. They have no receivers except for practice squad-level guys. Le'Veon Bell's banged up. That offensive line is awful. And their defense stinks outside of a couple of impressive first-round picks. The Jets are a tire fire. And Sam Darnold has to – he threw two pick-sixes against a – you know, not one of the best defenses in the NFL yesterday, but he still just couldn't move the ball. He got sacked in the end zone. He threw two pick sixes. I mean, those are mistakes that a third-year quarterback in his second year with the same head coach should not be making. And Sam Darnold's making it, and the Jets legitimately look like the worst team in the NFL, but guess who looks like the second-worst team? Yeah, the New York Giants. They look horrible. Daniel Jones is also regressing. Second-year quarterback was not crazy about him in college, was not crazy about his rookie year. And as a second-year quarterback, he just looks – Way worse. I don't get it. Like, I know Saquon Barkley's gone, but they've got receivers. I mean, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram. I mean, those guys are good, and he's just not throwing it to him. Golden Tate, it's just he's not accurate anymore. He's turnover prone to a complete fault, and the Giants look awful. And Joe Judge looks in over his head as a coach. He's now 0-3 as a head football coach in the NFL. It's a process, I know. The Giants have the worst record in football since the start of the 2017 season. And that includes the Browns going 0-16, by the way. The Giants, over the last four years, worst record in football. And they, they're, they're so banged up, and Daniel Jones can't move the ball. They got crushed by Nick Mullins yesterday. And the Jets got crushed by 39-year-old Phillip Rivers yesterday. Those two teams are awful. They're going to be competing for Trevor Lawrence next spring in the 2021 draft. All right, so that's it for me tonight. Chiefs and Ravens, game of the season, potentially. I mean, that's going to be fun. Uh, Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson in a battle of the last two league MVPs. I told you I'm picking Baltimore to win that game. He, uh, Lamar Jackson is 21-3 and as a starting quarterback in the regular season in the NFL, although he is 0-2 against Kansas City. I still think he breaks through. He's got to beat him, Tom Brady. Uh, Mahomes eventually beat Tom Brady. I think Lamar Jackson will eventually beat Mahomes, and I think it'll be tonight. Uh, okay, yeah, we'll talk more basketball hopefully tomorrow and maybe postseason baseball. Uh, but, like I said, week three is not done yet. Chiefs and Ravens tonight, Monday Night Football. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on a Monday. Hope you have a great rest of your night. And you have been listening to me, Jacob Valliere, the host of this show, The Jadava Show. Take care, and we'll see you tomorrow.